Well, good morning, everyone. It is, it's a pleasure to be here with you all this morning. It's been a little while since I manned the uh, circular table here at Red Tree. I was given a little bit of a break from preaching, and uh, that was all because over the course of the past 18 months, as some of you know, my family has been in the middle of an international adoption, and I am really excited today to tell you that in December, we were able to bring Hannah Josephine Kreitzer home from India. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you that and open with that today because I've been reflecting this week on Red Tree's involvement in bringing Hannah home. See, Hannah is, 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 I think, one of the babies that Red Tree has muscled from India to our house and has her seated right over here today. And I, I want to give you guys the full update on this because of the involvement that Red Tree has had in this adoption. I'm, I'm talking from the very beginning. Red Tree sponsored Deanna and I to go to India where we fell in love with the street kids of India and began pursuing adoption. When it was time to have our home study done, there are some of you in this room who painted the third bedroom that's in my basement and built the walls of that bedroom. You know who you are. There are those of you who have contributed financially to supporting us. There are those of you who have covered us in prayer from the very beginning. And I wanna call out the elders in particular who have been so gracious to us in terms of helping us keep our sanity throughout this process. Other members of Red Tree have had us in, in their homes and around their kitchen tables, and they have come around us and wrapped their arms around us as we pursued this adoption. And then Sam's going to hate this, but I'm, I'm famous for getting things 95% of the way done. You can go in that bedroom I talked about, and there is baseboard on all but like a 10-foot section of wall. <laughs> the room's done, but I just got lazy and said, nope, so that was two years ago. My house is full of projects that are 95% done, but you can't do that with an adoption. 95% of the way isn't good enough. And so you're going to hate this, Sam, but... I was done at the end, and there are some of you in this room who picked me up by my bootstraps, dusted me off, and made me, drug me across the finish line of this adoption. And Sam, I'm calling you out because those 6 a.m. meetings were necessary to get this thing done because I was falling apart. Red Tree, you guys are an amazing church. Sometimes it's easy to be like, what are we doing? We're this church that meets in West County, and what are we doing? I don't know, we're bringing little girls home from India. <laughs> like, that's our church. I'm proud of you guys. And so our subject today is on prayer. And I just have to give glory to God. And I want to list off a couple of the things. Because from the very beginning, we asked for you guys to pray for the health of Hannah. And you guys did that. We brought Hannah home, and she's got stronger legs than we ever imagined, and she was healthier than we ever imagined. 
We prayed for financial support. We asked you guys to pray for financial support, and God exceeded our, our wildest imaginations with that. We, prayed, we asked you guys to pray for safety while we were in India because there were riots and protests and an earthquake, and God, God provided us safety. And then we wanted to be home on Christmas with our kid, and God, we asked you to pray, and God created a way for that to happen. We, pr- we asked you to pray that Hannah would acclimate well in the house, and she has done so well. We asked you to pray for her language, and she's learning English faster than I ever imagined. We asked for you guys to pray for our, our big kiddos, and they are doing tremendously well. And all of, th- there is just a pattern throughout this. We asked you guys to pray, and then God provided. We asked you to pray, and God provided. And I hate getting up here and doing this right before I preach, but I think it's really important to glorify our God because we're about to do a sermon on prayer. And in my own life, I watched prayer requests go out, prayers get answered, and it just would feel like robbery if I didn't stand here today and tell you about that list. Because to God be the glory, but he loved those prayers and he answered those prayers. And it, it has been a ministry to my soul to watch that. And this is an amazing church. And you guys are an amazing church. So, with that being said, all the best preaching books I've ever read said get real emotional and get real sappy before you deliver a sermon. <laughs> no, it's not actually true. That's horrible advice. <laughs> but here we are. We're going to jump into our text now. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you today, there are Bibles all along the aisles here and on the outside. So that way, you can engage the Word of God as we go through it today. However, if you don't have a Bible similar to this in your possession as, a, as an item that you have, Red Tree Church really wants you to have a Bible by your bedside. We want you to be able to go to bed with this by your bedside. We want you to be able to wake up with this by your bedside. So if there's something in your life that keeps you from having a physical copy of the Word of God, come talk to us because we want to put one in your hands. That's a desire for our church. But our text today is in the fourth chapter of Colossians, verses 2 through 4. I'll give you a second to get there. And the text reads like this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Heavenly Father, This is a room full of your kids. Father, we, we love your word, and we want to be changed by your word. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would engage our hearts, that our hearts would be at the edge of our seat waiting to hear from you. Father, we know that you have a message for us today, and it is in, it is in the Bible that you've provided us. So, Father, I pray like we frequently do, but I pray today specifically that you would give ears for your word. 
Give us ears for your word. Help us to engage this text in a way that glorifies you. And Father, I pray specifically today for myself that I would steward your word well. Help me to shut my mouth where it needs to be shut and help me to not say the things that you don't want said, but help me not to forget the things that I should say. Father, I love you. These people love you. Give us your word. Give us yourself today. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to put our text today in context. Last week, we went through what Pastor Sam called the family code for the believer. How, how Christians ought to act within the confines of our, our, the walls of our home. And I thought that was just a great way of going through it. And then moving into the text for today, Paul, our brother in Christ, gives us two things. Number one, he gives us some instruction on continuing steadfastly in prayer. The Apostle Paul also has a little prayer request in here, which I think is a really, really neat thing. The Apostle Paul had a prayer request for this church with some really sketchy theology. The Colossian church was, was in need of discipline, but yet Paul still thought that they were capable of praying for him to advance his ministry. I think that's really, really interesting. So before we jump into our text, I'm going to put all my cards right here on the table with you today. Just lay it all out there. And kids... How many kids are in here under the age of 10? Can you raise your hands, kids? Okay. Now, all right. So again, guys, I'm giving it all. I'm putting it all out here right away. I have a really simple goal for today. I think we all should have a really simple goal for today. It's to leave today appreciating prayer a little more. You might have been a Christian for 50 years, praying diligently. You have a prayer closet. You know prayer. But none of us understand how important prayer is. We all need to grow in that. And you might be the new babe in Christ today, learning about prayer for the first time. You kids under the age of 10, you have no idea how important prayer is. So today, our goal is real simple that we would leave today being a people who want to pray more and who appreciate the power of prayer more. So that's where we're going to come at it today. And I've written my sermon, kids, in a way where you should be able to understand this. I've tried to make this as simple so that a five-year-old can understand this because, children, I believe God specifically loves the prayer of children. So let's, let's approach that today. So that's our goal. Now, a sermon on prayer, you might say, well, what exactly is prayer? And I think that's a really good question. The Westminster Catechism says, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. So that's the ancient definition of prayer. I did a little bit more research, and I read John Piper's definition of prayer. And his was a little simpler. Prayer is asking God 
for things. And he even admitted things is a terrible word, but he couldn't think of a better word. Things might be God himself. Prayer could be asking God for more God. Now, this definition might, might not be that agreeable to you. I was raised with the definition that prayer is talking to God. Or prayer is communion with God. But today, and, and that caused a little confusion for me as I was preparing for the sermon, but today... I want to set down those other definitions. You don't have to abandon your definition of prayer. I'm not asking you to do that today, but I'm asking you to just focus in on the asking God for things definition of prayer today. That's where we're going to come at. Prayer is going to, when I say prayer today, it means asking God for things. So that's where we're going to come at. So I want to get a little bit more basic though on what prayer is, because I think prayer, as we're asking God for things, we need to appreciate the identity behind prayer. See, you, the believer, are the blood-bought son or daughter in Christ. Christ came into the world to make you right with God. He, God, became man, took on the sins of the world, and then died on a cross so that you could be clothed in righteousness, his righteousness. He has washed you clean and made you right. So when I talk about prayer and asking God for things, I want to get really, really basic. Because you, the believer, are a child of God. And our prayer is a child asking their Father in heaven for things. We get to be little kiddos running around in this world that he created and asking God, God, can you give me more of you today? God, can you do this? Can you do this? Help me. And then the really cool thing, especially in the context of how we ought to operate as a family of believers, is we get to run around the house with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We get to go running around and conspiring with each other about the goodness of our God. See, I, last weekend, I got to see a little bit of how important and how much glory can be brought to a father by the way his kids talk about him. See, I was downstairs on the couch just resting. My eyes were closed, and I had my, <laughs> my youngest daughter was on my chest. And my eyes were closed, and my two oldest came downstairs, and I asked Eden permission to tell this story. And Eden says to Luke, my daughter to my son, is that asleep? And Luke goes, yeah. She goes, good. Now we won't boss us around anymore. <laughs> that did not bring my name much glory. <laughs> she didn't say Oh, good, dad's resting after a hard week at work. No, it was, it was a little crushing. But as I was preparing about for this sermon, I, I started to think about that fundamental baseline, what it means to pray. And I started to think about us as little kids running around the house, talking to each other. I come to Angelina and say, Angelina, will you pray for this for me? And she says, of course I'll pray for you. If you get to the real nuts and bolts of what's going on there, Angelina and I are saying, 
you know how awesome our daddy is? Yeah, I know how awesome our daddy is. He's capable of doing this cool thing for me. And she's like, oh yeah, he is. And so we work together to go ask our daddy in heaven for things. And that's what prayer is. And that brings God glory. Because his kids are getting together and talking about his goodness. Because he has everything. He's all power. He's all, pre- he's all, all powerful. He has everything. And we are in need. And it makes him happy to give good things to his children. And there's another cool thing that happens in coming back, just picturing us as children. My kids ask me for things all the time. Sometimes I tell them yes, and sometimes I tell them no. But I always, almost always, have their best intentions when I answer those questions. So there's part of this relationship that's happening where we're building trust with our Father in heaven because we ask him for things, and knowing that he's wise and knows what's best for us, sometimes he tells us no. But that's because he cares about us. It's because he loves us. So, as a child of God, bringing our request before the Lord... I always wonder, like, how much prayer does God actually want? Well, he's given us a couple parables to show us how much prayer he actually wants. So we're going to spend some time in two parables today. So we're going to be in Luke 11 and Luke 18. So if you can grab a moment. So we're going to be in Luke 18, I'm going to read. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And then in Luke 11, we read, and this is verse 5, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Okay. I think those stories are fascinating. Because our God is a good God. There's no question about that. But he uses these two metaphors, these two parables, to explain how he receives prayer. See, he's a great judge, but he gives us this story about a bad judge so that we can understand him better. And he gives us this weird story about a friend knock, knock, knocking on a door in the middle of the night. See, I think God is, is telling us something really important. I feel like he's double-daring us. Try to annoy me with your prayers. 
badger me. Knock, knock, knock. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Give me justice. Knock, knock, knock. And God's like, bring it. I want more. Come on. Fill the world up with prayer because I've designed the world to run on prayer. Think about that. God gave us these two really annoying stories so that we would know as his children that we can't annoy him with our prayers and that he will provide. I think that's fascinating. So God doesn't grow annoyed with our prayers. But I've noticed something as I've talked to you and as I've talked to my wife and as I've thought about how I pray. God doesn't get annoyed with my prayers, but I do. There are things I pray for every single day and every single night. My kids could tell you, almost they could probably recite it. Each night I go into their room and I put my hand on their head and I say roughly the same prayer. And if I played that on a, if I played, if I recorded myself, I bet I would say it in the same way every night. And I'd get frustrated with it. God, can't I pray differently? Can't I, can't I offer you up this prayer in a more unique way? I think we can. I think we can because God loves our prayers and God wants to answer our prayers because God is glorified in answering our prayers. So I'm going to get a little practical with you all today. I'm going to get a little practical because I think it's important. What if instead of each night, me going into my son's room or my daughter's room and I put my hand on their head, instead of saying that mantra, what if I engaged every bit of me? What if I engaged my tears, my hopes, my dreams? What if I engaged my imagination in my prayers? See, I think Paul gives us a little bit of an invitation in our text today for engaging our imagination. Paul says to us, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Now, we could imagine the Apostle Paul currently in chains and in prison. We can see the strife and the longing on his face. And then we can do exactly what he said. We can picture a door, picture a steel vault door in between the Apostle Paul and a world of lost souls. And imagine the hand of our good God coming out and opening that door so that his kingdom could be advanced and that those souls can become saved. See, this is something that we don't get a whole lot of instruction on, or at least I didn't. There was never a Sunday school class where someone taught me how to pray. But I do know you. I do know our church. I do know how good we are at imagining. We do it all the time when we want to redesign a room or we want to bring a new product to market. See, we're really good at imagining really good at imagining how we're going to spend our free time. But are we good at imagining our prayers? Are we good at going into our child's bedroom, putting our hand on their head, 
praying for their salvation. Maybe take a few moments to cast those inner longings to the Lord. To say, Father, I want to see this child baptized in that swimming pool over there. I want to see them coming out of that water drenched in some silly t-shirt and sharing that longing. Or, Father, I want to see my daughter deciding how she wants to spend her life, whether she is selecting a spouse or selecting a career, and then spending some time giving that inner longing some thought and offering that up to God. See, again, this isn't instructive in the Bible, but this is a tips and tricks session for us all. Because I know we can get tired with prayer, but prayer is so important. You might also say, so that's, that's imagining and engaging our whole body in prayer. But you might also say to me, but I get really, really bored in prayer and I lose focus after about five seconds. Well, that's great. Do five-second prayers all day long. I, I can't remember who said it, but they said to see someone is to pray for them. Still fine. We can't spend hours and hours in prayer yet. We're, we're building those muscles, but we can do five-second prayers Dear Lord, be with this person. Dear Lord, be with that person. Dear Lord, I just had a horrible thing happen. Help me out here. But see, once again, I'm coming back to our identity. Blood-bought brother or sister in Christ. God has designed the world where prayer impacts things. So I challenge you to engage with prayer in different ways. Now I say all that. And of course, I brought in all that personal prayer request. But you still might be sitting there today saying, does it really matter? Is prayer just developing my relationship with God? Is that all it is? The answer is no. I want to dive into a couple quick texts with us today. So the first one we're going to go into is in Exodus. And this is all to show you the importance of prayer. So let's go to Exodus 32, and we're going to pick it up in verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make you a, make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to you forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. It's a fascinating story right after the people of Israel have been released from Egypt, 
they go and worship a golden calf. And it's awful. And God is angry that his people have already turned from him. But the, but the prayer of Moses offered up here, I think, how does it say, because of your prayer I have relented. I think that's fascinating to me. There's a lot going on there. And then I want to share another prayer with you. I don't know if we always think about this one as a prayer. But in John chapter 2, verse 1, we have another little prayer. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited at the wedding with his disciples. When the, ran, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And then Jesus goes on to turn water into wine, if you know the rest of the story. But man, we could preach a whole sermon on do whatever he tells you. But I'm going to leave that right over here for now. But think about this. Mary's request to God. This is, it's hard to put this into words. Mary's request the request of Jesus' mother to Jesus kick-started, jump-started the greatest ministry that would ever happen for the rest of eternity. Think about that. Mary didn't want her friends to be embarrassed and offers up a humble prayer to her son, and it kick-starts the greatest ministry that will ever be known in this world. That's amazing. Prayer is a really, really, really big deal because God, who was sovereign over all, you can ask the question, hey, Matt, is God sovereign over the earth? Yes. Is God sovereign over the angels and the demons? Yes. Is God sovereign over prayer? Yes. But God, who is sovereign over all, has designed the universe in such a way that things would not happen if the believer did not pray. He has designed the universe in such a way that things would not happen if the believer did not pray. Because believer, prayer is a really, really, really big deal. Because God wants us to commune with him. He wants us to have a part in the work that is going on. And prayer is one of those tools that God has given us. How does this impact us on a day-to-day -day basis? How should this change us in how we, how we live? Well, I want to give you a challenge. Primarily, or first, each day, I think we need to spend some time praying for ourselves. Wake up in the morning. Say, Father, I've got a hard day ahead of me and my kids are crazy, or, or my boss is on me about this issue, or this homeschooling project is not going well. Father, I need you to help me with this. 
I need you to protect me from the sins that are so tempting. And then we move out a little bit further and pray for whoever is under our house, or the roof of our house. Father, please be with my roommate. Please be with my wife. Please be with my children. Help them to engage with you. Help our house to be a house full of worship. And then from there, we go out further and we pray for our neighbors. And then we take a step further and we pray for our coworkers. And we take it a step further and we begin to pray for the nations. And all of this done with every piece of us, bringing our requests to the Lord. Father, our country really needs you. Please help our country. Five-second prayer. Heavenly Father, please be with my, my boss who is all over me today. Help him to have patience with me because I'm really trying but offering up prayer constantly because God wants to to hear our prayers. Remember, he dared us to try to annoy him with them. And we go on from there, and we pray for our church, and we pray for our pastors because your pastors need your prayers. And then we pray for the advancement of the kingdom in our city and in our state, and we move on from there. But I want you to start thinking in these circles. And then we get out of bed. And then, then we go approach the dinner table, and then we approach all the other uh, things that are happening in our lives. But I think that's how we're changed by, by a, a message like this, constantly bringing our requests to the Lord. I want to end, and the band can go on ahead and come on up. I want to end with what I think is a really powerful quote by C.S. Lewis. In one of my favorite works, um, the magician's nephew. There's a, a girl, Polly, and there's a talking horse, so bear with me here. I... Polly says to the talking horse, Wouldn't he know without being asked? said Polly. The horse replies, I've no doubt he would, but I've a sort of an idea he likes to be asked. And that was speaking of the Christ like fig- figure Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia. I think that covers what we're talking about really well. Brothers and sisters, our daddy in heaven, he likes to be asked. He likes when, our ch- when his children trust him enough to bring the inner longings of their heart to him. And so, coming back to our goal for the day, are we ready to engage God more deeply in prayer? Are we there with that? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're here today because we love you so much. And we care about the advancement of your kingdom. Because, Lord, we know you are filling the world with your glory, and we want to take part in that. Father, I pray for this church, that we be a church who who comes before you and casts our longings to you. Father, I pray that this be, a, a, be known as a praying church, a church who loves you so much and trusts you so much that we can give you the deepest parts of our longings. Father, I pray that for these people today. I pray this for my brothers and sisters, and I pray this for myself. Father, I ask you today to help me pray more.
and open more of my heart to you. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.